This episode is brought to you by IVP. Have you ever had the experience of reading deeply personal letters from a Black mother to her son? In her award-winning book, Mother to Son, Jasmine Holmes writes about her journey as an African-American Christian, as well as what she wants her young son to know about discipleship, marriage, race, justice, and more as he approaches the world as a Black man. As a listener of this podcast, you can receive Mother to Son for 25% off when you use the promo code IVPOD25, that's IVPOD25, at IVPress.com. This is IVP. If we can trust that when we consent to being in the presence of God, He will be gentle in His love for us, that we will find Him to be good. He knows what we need at the moment. He's not going to overwhelm us. He does not work like the world does. And it might appear boring. It may indeed be not highly consequential, but that might be exactly what we need. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Digital Examine podcast. I'm Jay, and so glad you're joining us today. The 4th century Stoic philosopher Seneca once famously said that everywhere means nowhere. And he said this pertaining to reading specifically, but I think those words echo so true in our day and age. It's a general principle that applies to the tension that I think so many of us feel uh, in the digital age. On one hand, we feel like we've got access to everywhere. We pull out our smartphones from our back pockets. We open them up and any number of applications offers us an endless uh, array of information, entertainment, um, this bottomless pit of distraction. But to be everywhere in such a way is in many ways to be nowhere. It's one of the most deceptive illusions of the digital age. It's this misguided belief that we can actually be in all of these places, consuming all of this content and feel connected. But most of us, and the data proves this, most of us today feel utterly disconnected, completely placeless. The whole thing has shifted. We have access, again, to more information quickly and um, accessibly in ways that human beings have never had before, and yet we feel so incredibly disconnected, this sort of pervasive sense of non-existence, you know, this inhumane sensation of actually feeling like we're nowhere at all. And it's the seductive allure of the always-on, always-ready digital devices that beckon us to leave our embodied presence and to wander off into the great endless horizon of distraction. And today, um, I am talking to Dr. Felicia Wu Song, who is a cultural sociologist. Her expertise is in media and digital technologies. Uh, she's a professor of sociology at Westmont College, and she is the author of a book that has been so profoundly helpful for me, a book called Restless Devices, Recovering Personhood, Presence, 
and place in the digital age. And so we get into performance and presence and what it means to be present in the most human way possible. And of course, we talk about uh, the daily examine and um, what it looks like in our age of distraction, in our placeless age to settle into a place and to live an embodied way uh, to be human in the way God designed us to be. So my hope and my prayer is that this conversation um, is an inspiration to you, that it equips you, that maybe it provokes you, uh, and ultimately that you might sense God's loving presence here now, even in the midst of your listening. So let's get into our dialogue, our conversation uh, with Dr. Felicia Wu Song. Felicia, thank you so much for joining us on the Digital Examine podcast. Thanks. It's so great to be with you. Yeah, we were talking uh, before I hit record, but um, it's it's really a very special joy for me to be talking to you. Your book, Restless Devices, um, was so, so helpful to me and uh, gave me some language um, for things that I had been thinking about and, and I myself had been writing about for a while. So I've got so many questions, but uh, I want to start here because I think it gets at some of the ache that many of us feel. Um, I want to talk about performance. Uh, I think that there's, you know, really a deep exhaustion that a lot of us feel. Um, and it's kind of hard to identify sometimes, but we feel this exhaustion in the digital age, um, because we feel this pressure to be performative, mm-hmm. you know, in our online lives. It's just a big grand stage, even though we sort of put it out there as like our real lives, you know, oh, just kind of casually taking a photo of my lunch <laughs> or something. Um, yeah, talk about that. What what sort of connection is there between the exhaustion I think so many of us feel in the digital age and the sort of pervasive performative nature of our digital lives? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I mean, I think what's so interesting about our performance online is that um, it is both incredibly calculated on one hand. Um, like we have a lot of tools at our disposal to 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 construct a very polished performance. Um, and so that can take a lot of um, intention and forth- forethought. Um, and yet at the same time, what's interesting is that what leads to the exhaustion, I think, is is the fact that we're performing to so many different people. Um, at the yeah. same time throughout the day. So yeah. I'm sure it's quite different for, for different kinds of people. Um, if you're not a content creator on online, right, then maybe you're performing to your um, colleagues, um, family, community members um, in, in online spaces or, or texting and, or in social media. Uh, but it, but if you're also creating content, then you have a very polished professional type of performance, right? You're having to um, construct. And so um, what's interesting is that, um, you know, it's not as if hum- human beings haven't had to perform before, right? Um, human beings have performed, um, you know, Irving um, Goffman, sociologist in the mid 20th century, made this point about how human beings have, have always performed to some degree, just like waiters perform for people who are eating at the restaurant, right? right? Um, 
And yet there's something about our, our constant performativeness, right? Mm. And also the, I would argue, a fairly merciless online space, um, a space that has, doesn't, doesn't tolerate mistakes, doesn't tolerate, um, off performances, <laughs> um, right? It like off performances really come off as really off, um, in big ways. And so because the limelight is on us all the time, right? Like you said, it, it is like, if we, if we, if we're not completely on, it is like, um, embarrassing oneself on a huge stage with hundreds of people watching us, um, seeing our, our own, um, you know, tragedies unfold in front of people. And so I, I think the exhaustion is, is this multiple audience, right? We're performing to multiple audiences and that might require different performances, right? Performance as parent, performance as friend, performance as child to colleague to whoever else. Um, and then it is this sense in which there's, there's never, you know, I write about permanent connectivity, right? Yeah. That we're never really off anymore. Yeah. We all live with a, a kind of first responder consciousness now, yeah. right? Um, and that type of psychic onness is um, is very exhausting, right? It, it's yeah. it's not something that's quite frankly sustainable. Yeah. The toggling back and forth between performances, because what you're saying is that it is plural. Yes. We are, for example, I, I love the the imagery of the waiter yes. waiting tables at a restaurant. They might work an eight hour shift, mm -hmm. but generally it might be different customers, but the exchange is mm -hmm. the same. Mm -hmm. A customer is walking in for some good food and a particular type of experience. They, mm -hmm. you know, want right. to order and have a kind smile and, yeah. you know, oh, refill my water. There's a consistency to it, but it, it's a poignant thought. You know, we're almost torn asunder because we're in this, this mode of living in the digital age where we are performing multiple performances throughout the day within an hour within a couple of minutes as we scroll and interact and respond um, to messages or, or whatever it might be. That, that's a profound thought. Do, do you think that, I mean, one, I, I think I know the answer, but, you know, that's not the way humans are designed to live. So what do you think about that? Like the exhaustion, beyond the exhaustion, what do you think happens to us when we are living in this constant, ongoing, relentless state of many performances all the time, like you said, you know, consistently, constantly, never-ending onness. What yeah. does that do to us as, as humans? Yeah, you know, um, that makes me think of a, a lot of interesting theorists that are out there that talk about the ways that our identity gets constructed and talking about how in this digital world, maybe the best way to capture the self is a fragmented self, right? That we are lots of different selves. That might be the case. Um, I think I'm more interested in the fact that when we are performing, we are always cognizant of uh, the uh, of performing for the other, whoever the audience is. So we're very other focused. 
Um, and, and at the same time, very self-conscious, right? Um, and when we are always in that modality, what doesn't happen is we don't get to spend a lot of time and energy just being inwardly focused, um, in our, you know, towards the self, not in a, a kind of, um, you know, navel gazing way. Um, but rather in a way that is just, um, a stasis, like I am just being whatever I happen to be with yeah. no audience to yeah. be concerned about. And so when we, when we don't have a lot of moments in our day, um, squared out for that type of time, um, we do, I think, run the risk of, of not having the chance to, to cultivate who is that person who is just there when you're just being right. And, and certainly a lot of folks who do studies on the impact of technology on young people are very concerned about this as young people are, are, are growing up and, and they're forming their identities, they're forming their relationships and learning what it is to be a friend, to be a self. And what does it mean when, when the self is just constantly kind of the energies are constantly flying out rather than, um, cultivating a, a collective core, right? That you recognize as, oh, this is me. Um, and then being able to get to the place of what I think is is actually super important, which is being self-forgetful. Um, actually being able to be in a state where um, maybe you are engrossed in music or in mm. a story, a piece yeah. of art, um, nature, right, where you can actually, in a good way, forget yourself because you are in awe or you're adoring something, you're just fascinated, right? And so there's, yeah. I think, a, a, a deep rest that can come, right, from, from having space to be self-forgetful, whereas being online and performative, curiously, is both other focused and very self-conscious as well, right? You can't afford to be self-forgetful. Consider self-forgetfulness for a moment. When's the last time you had an experience that was so profoundly immersive that you um, began losing sense of time or you felt genuine awe or wonder or joy? Are there maybe specific places or people or things, experiences that most often spark that sort of self-forgetfulness in you? And might there be a way to create regular rhythms in your life to position yourself toward healthy self-forgetfulness, where you're no longer performing for the digital masses, but truly experiencing life as it happens in the moment? Take a moment. And consider that thought, and then we'll return to our conversation with Felicia Wu Song.
Today's digital technologies are designed to captivate our attention and encroach on our boundaries, shaping how we relate to time and space, to ourselves and others, even to God. Sociologist Felicia Wu Song has spent years considering the personal and collective dynamics of digital ecosystems. In her book, Restless Devices, Song combines research-based insights with theological reflections to understand the ways in which personal technologies are forming us, as well as pathways we can use to resist and opt for healthier lifestyles. Stay tuned until the end of the episode to find out how you can get a 25% discount on Restless Devices at ivypress.com. It reminds me of, um, I'm a child of the 90s. It reminds me of uh, the boombox I had and going to uh, Warehouse Music, which was the music store in town, and saving up my money and buying a CD and then going home, popping that CD in, all of this anticipation. I didn't know what songs were going to be. I, I knew the one radio single that had been on, yeah. but there were 11 other songs um, and the experience of laying on the floor, listening <laughs> to track after track, following the liner notes and the lyrics. I remember the smell of the the CD jacket, you know, all of those things um, sound so utterly boring for most people today. Who has the time to sit there for 48 minutes and listen to an entire, I've got Apple music or Spotify and I've got my playlist or, you know, or the algorithm tells me what song I'm going to like yeah. next sort of thing. Um, but, you know, framing it that way, self-forgetfulness, even hearing you talk about it sounds restful. <laughs> and and I hope it does that for people listening, you know, that, oh my gosh, it's such, um, it sounds so strange because none of us really live that way, but hearing you talk about it sounds so restful. It makes me think of, uh, the big sort of overarching idea of presence that, um, sometimes boredom is the path to presence, you know, to sort of sit in something for a long time, um, and, and to wait it out and self forgetfulness is a, is a beautiful way to think about it. So talk about presence in general. Um, first of all, you know, what does it mean to be present in a meaningful way, in a human way? And, um, how have we, and maybe even why have we so, traded in that sort of presence for, you know, inadequate substitutes in the digital age? Yeah, I think presence makes me think of two things. Um, it makes me think of bodies. Um, bodies, our physical bodies being something that carries presence so that you don't even need words. Um, your presence in a space with someone communicates something. Um, there is glory in our presence. I think um, it's, it's part of the Imago Dei, right? This, this sense in which um, we carry um, the spirit of God in us. And so when we are present with our bodies, the spirit of God comes with us, right? Is, is with us. Um, and and so there's bodies, and then there's what I think most people use the language attention or focus. I prefer the word 
um, something closer to kind of psychic energy, right? So that it's not necessarily just like a cognitive um, attention or focus with someone or in a space, but actually a, a kind of investment, a, a decision to be devoted to a particular place and time. Um, and so our presence is, um, is dissolved or is made thin when we are thinking about other things, um, in a space where our bodies happen to still be right. So classic, you're sitting in a meeting, um, with a bunch of people and it's a boring meeting, right? So our bodies are there, but our psychic energies are way somewhere else, yeah. right? So we're not present really, yeah. but then it becomes very poignant when, um, we're actually with someone we want to be with and we're having a great conversation, but we realize that we're actually a part of us actually isn't there, right? That maybe it's because we're worried about something else that's happening in the world or in our lives. Um, or maybe we're just wondering if anyone replied to our post. Um, and so whatever it is, our presence is, is broken, but I think the, the presence that we, um, are challenged to bring to um, places and to people these days is is really one of the hardest things because I think the digital culture and certainly the digital industry celebrates a state of being that is without the body and that is and, and there are good things that can come from being able to uh, you know be somewhere where your body isn't so to speak. Um, but this kind of celebration of being freed from our bodies, I think is, has some very unfortunate losses and costs that are kind of built into our devices and built into the platforms that so many of us use. Yeah. Yeah. In your book, Restless Devices, you have this wonderful, um, line, you say, um, what we've discovered in our digitally saturated society is that we have a remarkable endurance and capacity to remain attuned, which is wonderful, but then to our devices. <laughs> so it is simultaneously a very sobering sort of gut punch of our current condition, and yet actually quite hopeful because we've discovered that we are able, humans are able, we've got remarkable endurance and capacity to remain attuned, but it's just that our attention has been given to our devices, which means that we have the potential to give that attention to someone else or something else, you know, to point it, point those energies in a different direction. Um, we talk about the daily examine here on this podcast quite a bit. And the first movement of the examine is it's exactly that it's an invitation to focus our attention on God's loving presence. Um, so practically speaking, and maybe you can speak personally to this as well in your own life, what sorts of shifts, um, even very practically, what sorts of practices or shifts in your own life, um, have been most helpful to you and, and have you found to be most helpful for, for people, uh, in redirecting and reorienting our attention away from the devices and toward the relationships that mean the most, you know, with God, with others, uh, and so on. 
Yeah. You know, when I when I was writing that part of the the book, I I don't think I mentioned this in the book, but I was thinking about um the exhortation by Paul about praying ceaselessly. And I just yeah. remember being even as a young person and growing up in church, just finding that to be very strange. It's like, how do you pray ceaselessly? You know, <laughs> like how do you actually do that? That just seemed like such a far-fetched sort of exhortation. And and there really is a way in which when I came to realize the degree to which my internal preoccupations had been so tethered to my online presence, my emails, um, always there when at a, at a free moment, or even when I didn't have a free moment, it was still there. I started to realize, oh, maybe this was what Paul was talking about, right? Like this is the this is the same thing that he's saying about praying ceaselessly, and so so a, a part of that is is I think like the first step is realizing that that God is is ceaselessly there with us always ready to to hear from us but also to give us something good um and that that type of expectation um is just you know is something I, I had never quite realized before um, and was thinking, oh, that's probably what Paul's talking about, <laughs> right? That there is a, one needs to have a, an, a, an expectation. And so um, because so many of our lives are fairly structured, scheduled um, with certain tasks and responsibilities, then it, then it becomes perhaps necessary for some of us to create times and spaces that help us um, kind of tune in a little bit more, um, and not let the, the attunement to our digital kind of crowd in and occupy all of our spaces, right? It's, it's, it's a kind of like pushing back, right? Um, and saying, no, 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 no. Like I'm gonna, I'm, I'm protecting this space, right? This space intentionally. And, and so that might be, um, for some people that might be early in the morning, it might be before you go to bed, but I think throughout all of our lives, we might different people's schedules that might be during lunchtime. It might be when you go on a walk. Um, and there are so many wonderful things, wonderful podcasts like this one that one can listen to and and right, which is all great. Um, and yet at the same time, as we were speaking before about finding the way to get to self-forgetfulness, right? It is it is the need to um, to practice some degree of disciplines, right? And that kind of like pushing out for space um, that is tech free, that then starts to like train a muscle. Um, it, it's training an instinct that, like you said before, right? Is we know is there because it's it's very well trained towards the digital, um, and so we just need to train it to learn what the voice of God sounds like in our lives and how we grow to recognize when God shows up, whether that's like in a flower that's growing in a crack in the sidewalk um, or um, a goofy smile from a kid who just walks by, <laughs> you know, yeah. it could be lots of different things. And so I think it is in part um, 
creating space away from the demands, right? The demands that are digital, many demands are not digital, but trying to create space um, to cultivate that expectancy. Yeah. In uh, that big, long, famous Psalm, Psalm 119, in verse 100-something, I'm paraphrasing, but the psalmist has that line. He says, you know, God, your words are sweet like honey. They're sweet to my taste, which I always thought was such a weird, I didn't know what that meant. It, it sounded so strange. Um, but it, recently I, I've discovered, you know, that word taste, it's, um, it's the Hebrew word for your palate or the roof of your mouth, which for many years people thought that was the source of how humans understood taste. And uh, that word palate was so helpful for me. And it makes, I, I thought of it because of what you've said. Um, there is a, a strange sort of uh, discomfort in the initial foray into presence with God. Mm -hmm. It you know we have this vision of oh my gosh if I just shut off my phone for ten minutes I'm gonna have this explosive incredible mountaintop moment and God is gonna arrive in all of His glory but ninety nine percent of the time it's actually just quiet and quite boring you know and um, it's just not what you know it doesn't look like a movie and and yet it is the ongoing sort of consistent commitment mm -hmm. to self-forgetfulness, to putting ourselves in position where we can linger in place long enough to forget the self in some ways. Yeah. And and the way you're talking about it, it it's so beautiful to me because it, it it's almost like that is that is the path to really finding yourself mm -hmm. is to forget yourself and you come full circle and you realize, oh, this is this is who I really am, you know, removed from the stage that is social media and my digital life. You've got this other uh, incredibly beautiful and, and I would say pastoral line. Um, it's a bit long, but I want to read the whole thing just for, for our listeners who have not yet read the book, um, which I would highly encourage everyone listening to go check it out. But you say, you ask the question, what if my antenna were always outstretched toward checking in with God as much as I am always checking my smartphone? What if I was filled with great expectancy that there would be a word for me and that I could trust that word, um, trust that that word would not be a word that simply demanded something from me, but a word that came to nourish me? And what if I knew that there was a word that revealed God's very nature waiting just for me? There's so much in there. Uh, I love what you say that this word, what if, what if it's possible that it's a word that doesn't demand something from me, but it comes to nourish me, which that sort of word does not exist in our digital lives. Every word demands something of us. Even the nice comment like, hey, great photo, it demands something <laughs> of us. There's an exchange, a transaction happening. We feel a pressure to comment back or to respond with in kind or whatever it might be. So just as we sort of close our conversation, thinking about our listeners, um, Maybe expound a bit on on this invitation and 
um, take a moment maybe to encourage folks that are listening, you know, or watching probably on some digital device right now. Um, encourage them with, with what might be available to them. Maybe even in the next few moments after this episode is done. Um, yeah, just expound on those ideas and share, share a word with, with our listeners. Yeah, sure. I know that there are lots of really positive things that can come from engaging online. Um, like we can receive a very good word and we can receive really uh, or engage in really worthwhile exchanges with people. With that said, I personally experienced my device um, in, in, in the form of demands, like we said. Um, and I think that um, a lot of us might feel the same way towards God, um, that if we did listen in, that we would find out that he was asking something really hard or had a hard word for us. Um, and I think um, in, in those boring moments um, when we are quiet enough and, and if we have cultivated enough courage to kind of move through the discomfort of perhaps the silence or perhaps even our own hurried and, and uncomfortable thoughts, um, if we can kind of keep pressing through that um, in a way that, that doesn't um, harm us, right? Um, I think we'll find that there is a God who has, who's asking us to relax, actually, <laughs> um, to relax. And, and he doesn't need a performance from us. He doesn't need us to get all straightened up. Um, he, he knows all things and somehow he loves us. <laughs> and, um, and not only does he put up quote unquote with us, um, but he actually delights in us. And, and these are, these are, um, words that I, I speak because I need to hear them, right? These are hard, um, wonderful truths that I have a hard time accepting myself. Um, and so I think it is with great hopefulness that um, I try to create space to relax, to not fear, um, to not um, to let go of my concerns about my own inadequacies um, and to move to a place in which I'm capable of receiving, actually receiving from God. Um, and I think I, I love this idea that I think we're starting to hear a little bit more in our society, which is one that, that, um, values gentleness, actually. Um, I think this is a new movement. And, and I think the gentleness of God and the tenderness of God is, is a quality of, of who God is that so many of us long for and, and need to, um, receive in order to be healed. Um, and so, yeah, I think that if we can trust, and this is the faith part, <laughs> trust that that when we consent to the pre being in the presence of God, that um, he will be gentle in his love for us. 
mm-hmm. um, that we will find him to be good. Um, yeah. He knows what we need at the moment. Um, he's not going to overwhelm us. Yeah. Um, he does not work like the world does. Um, and it might appear boring, right? We It may indeed be not highly consequential, um, but that might be exactly what we need. Uh, we need something really kind of human size, small, like a little nugget that we can kind of carry with us. You know, um, I'm thinking of Annie Dillard writes this in one of her books. She talks about a, a um, someone who carries around a hot coal, right? Mm. Keeping them warm. That's all we mm. need. We just need a little hot coal. And God, God is, is prepared to offer that to us when, when we're able to kind of quiet ourselves enough to relax. Yeah. What a wonderful word. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, God becomes human. He literally becomes human. Mm-hmm. So, um, I love, uh, what you said there that, um, he becomes human sized, you know, mm-hmm. because he's capable. He's able to do that. Mm-hmm. And his intention is not to overwhelm us, mm-hmm. um, but to love us and to care for us. And we don't have to perform. Yeah. What a wonderful word. Um, Felicia, thank you so much for your wisdom, mm-hmm. your insight and, uh, your work. Um, we'll put links to everything in the show notes, but for folks who, uh, are interested in digging deeper into your work, restless devices and, um, other things that you've created and released out into the world, what's the best way for people to get a hold of, uh, some of the work that you've created? Yeah. Um, so I have a website. It's FeliciaWooSong.com. Unfortunately, I'm not on social media. I'm barely on LinkedIn um, for reasons you might be able to surmise. Um, But I'm on my website and happy to always love hearing from folks. So yeah, please reach out. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening. And um, if what Dr. Song had to say, if any of her work might be helpful to you, um, you can find her work at FeliciaWooSong.com. And uh, we'll also have links in our show notes as well. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would kindly ask if you could share it around, um, share some episodes as a new podcast. That's tremendously helpful. And uh, ultimately, my hope, my prayer is that as you listen along with us, um, that again, you might have an opportunity to breathe deeply and to examine your life and um, awaken to the reality that God is closer than you think, uh, that we might pause and um, slow down from the frenetic pace of speed that is all around us and walk and move and live at the pace of peace, which Christ offers us. So thanks again for listening. Grace, peace, and love to you. And we will talk to you all very soon. The Digital Examine is a production of InnerVarsity Press. For more information on any IVP titles mentioned on this episode, visit ivpress.com and use code IVPOD25. That's IVPOD25 for 25% off. Sound engineering by Honest Podcasts. 
Our producers are Helen Lee, Travis Albritton, and Andrew Bronson. Our production assistants are Christine Policcio and Isis Tolson, and I'm your host, J.Y. Kim. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the IVP YouTube channel, and leave a rating and review to support the podcast. <laughs>